0: I'd like to introduce to you my friend here. This is Juan. And uh, these are his dogs that he works with. This is in Temecula, California, when I was working with Gospel Recordings. This is kind of the ministry that I like to do. This is uh, his co-worker, Elmer. And then this is his, the other co-worker. I think his name is Jose. I only met him like a couple times. But uh, I just wanted to give you guys kind of a feel for the kind of things that I like to do... Working with other other cultures, other kinds of people, and uh, these guys are shepherds, and these are the sheep that they take care of. <laughs> they uh, they herd them around in circles, and what they do is uh, these are fields that, like wheat fields, that have already been they've already harvested them, and then they uh, they send in these sheep to come and eat the little bits of grass that's left over. And they have baby goats, sheep, and uh, <laughs> lambs, I guess is the proper word. <laughs> I should know that. That's a biblical term. The Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. So, here's another one. You notice they use a Coke bottle to uh, put the milk in and shake it up. And then this is a video.
1: I'm doing okay, an interview. Ahead. Yeah.
0: Hopefully, you won't get epileptic seizures from
1: this, but. He's explaining
0: the tools of the trade. That's
1: a hook, and they use that to kind of carry the babies around. That's just tied to a big stick in Palo Grande. Andale. ¿Y esto que en el cinturón qué es? estos es... Eh, ¿Cómo le dicen? No, cuates, ¿no? Sí. Cuates. cuates. Amarros para los cuates. Uh-huh. Es que se ponen... de dos cuates cada uno en una mano y para que caminen así los dos juntos. Ah. Uno a la derecha y uno a la izquierda. Uh-huh. O sea, los dos caminan uno, los dos apegados y el otro ya. Ah. ¿Dos juntos? Sí. Para sea, poner los dos ju- L- o sea, those o sea, mm. are Ah, yeah. sí. Si. So they tie two together. That's what those are for, is you tie two lambs together and so they walk side by side and it kinda helps them from scattering all over the place and it for one a mom has to nurse two <laughs> babies at one time. So that's what that's for. And sometimes they have shots they give the animals when with the sheep when they're really having trouble um, you know when they're sick or something so and then over here we got just the just the um, the corral there that holds all the animals you can't see but those black dark posts or the fence that they use and this is the trailer they stay in. Yes a camper. Yeah, it's just a camper. And this is where they, this is where they, they sleep at night. The, um, not the sheep, the uh, shepherd. <laughs> oh yes, and then there's the, the truck behind us over there. And that, that's used to, to, they put a trough on the ground and they fill that with water, so. And
0: then there's a clearer picture of the water trough and the truck that fills it you could you guys understand the uh most of it there was a lot of spanish in there that guy doesn't speak english if you didn't catch that uh is ingrid here i didn't uh, see her she might appreciate that because she speaks spanish and english uh but anyways i was doing this working with these guys they were just um the the other people that were with me there were a family some family friends um that i that i knew from a mission trip that i had made down in mexico and uh, so they, these guys, like passed by with their sheep in their, by their, sort of by their back door in, in the back field. And so we went out and we said hi to these guys. And we just got to know him a little bit and kind of built a little friendship. In fact, I think I still have his phone number on my on my cell phone here. <laughs> I could probably call him and see what he's doing. So, um, but anyways, I just wanted to uh, to to uh, get your minds your minds about that because part of my job. Is to be a shepherd, you know. That's part of my job. One of the, what these guys do is part of the things that they do is they guide the sheep to the right food. They don't want the sheep to get in the wrong pastures, the wrong fields because those fields aren't open for the sheep, for all of them. You can turn these uh, these off now, uh, and they also want to protect the sheep from getting into grass or. Stuff that is going to harm them. If they know that there's kind of poisonous plants over in this field over here, well, they're going to steer steer them away from that. What I want to do for you today is I want to help you steer, I want to steer you away from some bad grass. Okay? Uh, The last couple sermons that I preached, uh, my intention was to encourage you uh, with the scriptures because there's a lot of stuff to be encouraged about. Right? Well, today, I want to help you and and steer you away from some bad grass so that you don't hurt yourself and get in some some trouble. Um, I've been doing some research over the last year or so on having a right perspective about material possessions. Um, I've made some significant discoveries in the scriptures through my study and just trying to think through it because... Uh, You know, it can be sort of difficult to discern, like, when am I wanting this too much? And when am I just making a good stewardship decision? I want to get the most for the money for God's glory, but yet I don't want to, like, always strive to get the most for myself. And so it was kind of confusing. So I wanted to clarify, and I found some really, really insightful passages that speak about this. And so these next three weeks, we're going to be going through, I think, one that is very very powerful, very clear, that really kind of gets our mind around this and clarifies the issues. And that is Luke 12. Today I feel burdened to talk to you specifically about materialism. Materialism. Materialism is a way of life that is wrapped around or that is focused on stuff. The, the material things that bring you comfort or security or pleasure. It could mean an intense fascination with things like movies or other entertainment, or food, or your house, or your car, or anything that uh, is material in nature, and it helps and it helps you. uh, It fulfills your needs and your wants. Okay, that's what we're gonna. I want to talk about today. And if you look in scripture, there's no word that says materialism. So you kind of have to figure out what the words are that match that whole concept so that we can know what the Bible says and we can find the right verses. You know what I mean? So I did this. I searched and I found that there are actually a few terms for this, a few forms of materialism. There is the love of money. That's one of them. It's it's a form of materialism because it's it mainly has to do with what you can get in exchange for money, right? What you can get in exchange for money. Some people like, like just having a lot of money, you know, just it makes them feel powerful or uh, rich. <laughs> Everybody wants to be rich, but I think the point is that you get rich so that you can do whatever you want. With your, you can have fun and you can have what you need. It's sort of materialistic. It has to do with this world. Another form of materialism is coveting. Coveting is wanting something really bad, but it often belongs to somebody else. You're familiar with, with the, the commandment that says, do not covet your neighbor's household and their goats and other kinds of stuff like that. There's another kind that is called lust. And this is in the, in the general sense of lust. It's wanting to have something because you want to enjoy the benefits of having that thing. Okay? Okay. Uh, but there's another one that I want to talk to you about specifically today, and that the passage clearly talks about. Luke 12, verse 15 through 21 talks about. So let's go to Luke 12:15, and it says this. Then he said to them, he's talking to a massive crowd, massive crowd of people so big that they were and so condensed that they were actually stepping on each other. It was really tight, really tightly packed. And someone in the crowd said, Hey, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And he said, Listen, pal, I, I'm, th- that's not what I'm here for. And uh, But since you're talking about money, let me tell you something. <laughs> and so he's going to start, and he's going to give him a, some instruction on money. In fact, the rest of chapter f- 12 is about money. So... Here's what we're going to do. Look at what this verse says. 12.15 says, Then he said to this group and to, the, the, to this guy, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. Okay? Form of greed. Now, if you have the NKJV or some other translation, you might have the word covetousness. Or uh, It doesn't matter to me. I'm concerned about the meaning of the word, the original Greek, okay? The the meaning of that word is uh, basically—it's a lot subtler than what we think of. When we think of greed, Uh, when we think of greed, we we have a tendency to think of people like Bilbo Baggins, right? When Gollum or when uh, when uh, Gandalf is there and he's there to take care of the ring and get it on its way to where it's supposed to go, and 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 uh, Bilbo is like in the last chance, he's like. You know, you, you, you kind of recognize that. And that's obviously, this guy's got some serious greed issues, right? Or, we, or maybe we'll think of Gollum himself. My precious. You know, he's just consumed by this thing. And it's, it's like really obvious that he's greedy about the green, okay? Or maybe you might even have the picture of a, uh, a banker <laughs> that's got a gold tooth. And like eyes under, you know, and you can just tell from a distance. He just came out of the bank and he's got this kind of a mean look on his face. Like, I don't know. That's at least what comes to my mind. <laughs> Maybe from movies, because they're trying to portray it as clear as possible. And uh, anyways, the term that we're looking at here, it doesn't, it doesn't have that same connotation that's obvious. It's not something that is like really like, hey, greedy. You are greedy, and you know it. It's actually a lot more subtle than that. This word is called uh, pleonexia. It's a, it's, a, it's a cognate of the word pleos, which means more, and echo, which means to have. It means to have more. So that's the concept we're looking at. Greed, as it's translated here, or in other translations, covetousness in this text, is saying it's all about having more. Having more. And if you look at it, it's in the context of having more personal possessions. The guy was concerned about his inheritance, and so Jesus was answering that very issue. He he saw right through the man's uh, uh, suggestion. So, you might boil it down like this. The word greed here... And the issue that Jesus is dealing with is about wanting more for yourself. Okay? It's not wanting more so that you can spend it on God, or wanting more so that you can spend it on others, but it's wanting more so that you can ha- spend it on yourself. It's your own possessions. I think you can imagine what I'm talking about, right? For example, when you go to, when you go to Dairy Queen, and you have the option to get the medium or the large, And they tell you there's no difference in the cost. There's a special, say. Which one do you get? The large. (laughs) Yeah. Why? Because you get more. (laughs) Of course. It's a no-brainer. Here's another good one. Okay. Uh, Say that somebody was to offer you. They say, okay, you can have a million dollars, okay, or you can have $2 million. Or you can have $3 million. Which one would you take? Now, which one of you knows how much a million dollars is really worth in your, whole, in your brain and your life right now? Any of those are beyond your imagination. But why do you choose the $3 Because it's three times as much. It's way more. And so there's got to be something good about that. And that's what we're talking about. That's what... The concept is, is having more for yourself. All right. Now, listen to what the text says. Verse 15. Again, it says, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed or against covetousness. Now, why do you think he says, beware and be on your guard? I think it's obvious. First of all, be on your guard implies that it's somewhat dangerous. You, you don't need to be on guard for something that's not a threat to you. Like a little chihuahua that comes up and wants to nip at your feet. He's like, you know? <laughs> but if this is a Doberman pincher, guess what? <laughs> you're going to be packing around a gun or some big bat or something to protect yourself. that you're supposed to be on guard against greed because there is something seriously dangerous about it. In fact, look at what this is. I I did some research on this, and this really shook me up when I found this out. Okay, Did you realize... i got a whole list of concepts here, so keep this in mind. You might want to write these verses down so you can look at them later. Did you realize that coveting is one of the Ten Commandments... In other words, you could look at the Old Testament and which laws do you remember the most? The ten. It's one of the ten commandments. One of the primary ones, the condensed form. Do not covet your neighbor's house or their donkey or their wife or some other things in there. This is a huge commandment. Do you think that God will be happy if you disobey it, that commandment? No, he's not going to be very happy. Get this. Did you know that Colossians 3.5 says that greed or covetousness is idolatry? It says it that clear. That clear. Now what does that mean? That's another one of the Ten Commandments, is it not? Not only that, it is the first commandment. What does it say? you shall have no other gods before Me. This is idolatry. You are breaking two of the Ten Commandments and the biggest commandment, the first one. But not only that, what does the New Testament say is the greatest commandment? Samuel. Shall love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. All. You are breaking the greatest commandment in the Bible when you covet because you are being an idolater. You are treating your stuff as more important than God. Do you think he's happy about that? <laughs> uh, not really. It gets worse. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 9.5, Paul says that it can keep you from giving to God as you ought to. Joshua 7 says that it can cause you, an enti- not cause you, but entice you to actually steal from God. Can you believe that? Steal from God? Yeah. Mark 4.19 says that it can keep you from getting saved. We just read this in, in Matthew. That the de- remember what it said? The deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things is like a weed that chokes out the plant and kills it so that it's not pr- fruitful anymore covetousness snuffs out your spiritual life. If you are like in a daze right now, spiritually, it might be because you have covetousness going on. Think about it. Like the rich young ruler, it can make it hard for you to enter into the kingdom of God. And that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. Second Peter two fourteen says that if you are greedy, you are like one of the horrible false teachers of Peter's day. And listen to what it says about that. They bring swift destruction upon themselves. You guys get the point that this is, this is pretty heavy duty sin that we're talking about. Coveting, greeting, have, being greedy. But there's more. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, The love of money is a root of all evil. It's a root of You might say that it's a root of all sorts of evil. In other words, this sin produces other sins. And guess what? It can cause you to wander away from the faith and pierce you with many griefs. Not only that, this is the hard part. If you are a leader... Okay? And you have covetousness going on in your heart. Do you realize that it, it disqualifies you from church leadership? It's one of the requirements, one of the qualifications for elders and for deacons. It disqualifies you. 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1 7, 1 Peter 5 2. But get this. This is where it really hits home, I feel like. 1 Corinthians 5 11 says that. Professing Christians with a greed problem should be excommunicated. Excommunicated. Put away. You should not associate. You shouldn't even have dinner with those who uh, say that they're Christians, yet they have a greed problem. This This has serious consequences. Do you see this? This is a major, major danger in our life. And so we got to know about it, but here's the other major reason. Okay, it also says that we need to beware. It says we got to be on guard, but we also need to beware. Now the be, word beware there means to watch, watch, look out, be paying attention to what's going on. Now, why do you think he says that? What do you think that implies about the nature of greed? It's hard to see. It's not just like, hey, Bilbo Baggins. It's hard to see. It's subtle. It comes in and you don't even know it. Listen to this. Mark 4.19 uh, 4, speaks of this deceitfulness of wealth. Wealth is deceitful. In other words, it tells lies. What kind of lies would it tell you? Well, hey, I'm worth it. You need more of me to make you happy. And I suspect it's a difficult thing and it lies to us because it's Mark 7.22 says that it's a sin of our heart. It's something that our heart thinks first. We love things with our heart. We love money. And our heart is deceitful above all else. Jeremiah 17.9. So it's really hard to discern what we are doing when we are greedy Now, I don't know where any of you are at exactly, but I just want to... uh, It might be possible that you maybe have this thing growing up inside of you, quietly, out of your sight, and you are reaping the consequences. Maybe not right now, but maybe just around the corner, they're going to come crashing down on you and you don't even know that this is happening right now. You don't even see it. Covetousness and greed blinds you. It tells lies. It's like, it's like the camel spider of Iraq. you guys heard about that thing? It's, it's, I think it's actually a scorpion. And the, it, I heard about it uh, hiding in the soldier's boots. And what it'll do is it'll sting when they're sleeping because it's, it's, a, it's a nocturnal... Uh, Creature, it'll sting the uh, the toe of the soldiers, and that sends a numbing thing so that they actually don't feel their toe when they're sleeping. <laughs> Meanwhile, this little this little critter's going away and, and chomping away at their toe, eating it away. Because they can't feel it, they don't even know it's there, so they can't respond out of pain and wake up in the middle of the night. Ah! They wake up in the morning with an ah. <laughs> You know, in the text, though, there's an even greater reason why, and maybe even you might say an even more simple reason for why we need to beware and we need to be on guard against every form of greed. And it's and we're going to read in uh, we're going to read verses 15 through 21, and then we're going to make some simple observations. So let me just do this for you. Jesus said, "Beware and be on your guard." against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began to say to himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I will do. I will I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for you for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him you fool this very night your soul is required of you and now who will own what you have prepared so is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God I want to point out a few things to you I want you to notice the man's perspective verse 15 what was his perspective I'm sorry, verse 16. He told them a parable. The land of a rich man was very productive. Verse 17, he began saying to himself, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? What was his perspective? What was his assumption? He thought he was in a predicament because he didn't have his own place to store his own crops. Okay. And he thought that he was supposed to store them in the first place. That was his assumption, right? This is the more for myself mentality. More for myself. I'm going to store these things, because, and I need to be, do something because my barns are not big enough as it is. So I need to do this. That was his perspective. Look at his plan which was based on his perspective. He thought that he was supposed to store this stuff, so he he said, I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store all my goods and my grain. Notice that in those days when you had a lot of grain, if you had a productive field, there's no way you would eat all the grain that you produced. So what you could do is you you could package it up and sell it for a couple bucks for, I don't know, however much and you could make some pretty good money. This guy did. He was rich before he had the piece of land, and then he had a field that produced like a bumper crop one year. That's what this is. So this is now, he not only has grain to store, but now he has goods to store. He bought stuff with that money that he got. So that's his plan. Build bigger barns, because I ain't got enough room. This was a permanent fixture For a long life ahead. Notice that he didn't just store it in little baskets outside as if he planned to sell it. No, he planned to keep that thing so that he would always have a source that he could just sell people stuff. And he could store his stuff. He wasn't intending to get rid of it at all. More for myself. Notice the man's priorities. Look at this with me. And I encourage you, if you are the kind of person that is okay with writing in your Bible... (laughs) <laughs> Write this in your Bible. Underline the personal prepositions and I'll emphasize them for you. Um, anytime that he referred to himself, really, not just the prepositions or the, uh, the articles. Verse 17. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place... To store my crops. Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. You should take your ease. You should eat and you should drink and you should be merry. What does that tell you about his priorities? Sort of emphasize that for you on purpose. He was thinking all about himself. This is me. This is all about me. It's more for myself. In what verse does the man mention a concern for others? Never. In what verse does he give a consideration to God and God's plan? Eternity. He doesn't even think about it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Notice the fail flaw in all of this. Okay, He had a one-track mind. One-track mind. And it was all about himself. It was all about his possessions and his worldly stuff that helps him get by in this world. In this world. He had no thought about the future in heaven or hell. He gave no consideration to that. He gave no thought to God. He basically just wasted his life. That was his plan. But notice, in his one track mindedness, because he didn't consider the fact that sometimes God takes people's lives sooner than they expect, he was surprised by what God said. Listen to what God said. You fool. This very night, your soul is required of you. He had one night to live. That night, he had the rest of the day. And he made all these huge plans to build new barns and store his crops. And that was the story of his life, evidently. He gave no thought to God. No thought to other things. And listen to what... Jesus says in is the conclusion to hold this whole thing. He says verse twenty one so is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. You realize he's pointing this right to you. He's saying any person that stores up treasure for himself on this earth and is not rich towards God is just like the fool that just died that same night. He gave no thought to God. And guess what's going to happen to Him in eternity? He gave no thought to God. He gave no consideration to what God thought about His life. You know, I think that we are in the same boat a lot of times. We come to church on Sundays. But the first thing we think about tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday is our stuff. We go to work during the day from 7 to 5. We come home and we work on our stuff to make sure that the lawn is mowed, that the roof is in shape, that the house is cleaned up, that, the, that our cars are, up, up, are maintained. And if we don't have enough money, bummer, we are so frustrated. We are like running to the ground because it's almost as if that's what our life is all about. We're just trying to survive in this place. But let me encourage you and challenge you Do not think like this guy who is a one track mind. Think about eternal realities, okay, in your everyday life. And this is what I'm going to challenge you with. I have a couple items here designed to get your interest, okay? $20 bill. You could go this route. You could live for this thing right here and for everything that this thing represents. This is a dollar bill for those of you who can't see what I'm saying. It's actually a $20 bill. You could live for these things, okay? Your whole life, your whole week. Every hour of your day could be devoted to this right here or other material things, uh, you got to take care of your body to make sure that it's okay, and you got to take care of this and that, you could do that. Or you could also consider this. Okay, you have to have this, right? Everybody knows you can't get by life in this place without some cash, without something, a, a roof over your head, because you will freeze to death in this uh, zero-degree weather, zero-degree Celsius, Not that I use that, but freezing weather is what I'm saying. you got to have this, right? But is this your focus? Is this the thing that you're constantly thinking about? Is this the thing that bugs you when you don't have enough of it? Or is this the thing that bugs you when you don't have enough of it? There's a spiritual issue here. There's a spiritual reality that you need to consider on a daily basis, on an hourly basis. Everything that happens in your life happens for a spiritual reason. God is accomplishing something in your life. Maybe it's just steadfastness. Staying faithful to your task. Okay? This is a Gideon Bible. I chose it because it's pocket-sized and I wanted you to think about carrying something like... about This is a, this is a thing that you carry with you all the time. This, I want this truth to impact your whole life. Not just like in a, in a major way in one little part of your life, but I want it to impact every part of your life. When you carry one of these little pocket Bibles, you take it with you. I'm not saying you should take the, the pocket Bible with you. What I'm saying is that this is an illustration of how uh, involved I want this truth to become in your life. Okay, God cares about your life, and He is concerned about it. And you need to obey Him. You need to follow Him. You need to trust Him. Now, there's a guy, a, a, a poet, who wrote a, a poem recently, not too long ago. And I just wanted to encourage you to think like this guy. Okay? I know a lot of people that are scared they're going to die. A couple of them thinking they'll be living in the sky. While I'm here living, man, I've got to ask why. What am I here for? I've got to figure out. Waste my life? No, I've got to make it count. If Christ is real, then what am I going to do about everything in Luke 12? 15 down to 21, you really got to go and check it out. Paul said, if Christ ain't resurrected, then we wasted our lives. Well, that implies that our life's built around Jesus being alive. Every day I'm trying to show the world why Christ is more than everything you'll ever try. Better than pretty women and sinning and living and to get a minute of any women and men that you admire. It ain't no lie. We are created for Him. Out of the dust, He made us for Him. Elects us and He saves us for Him. Jesus comes and He raises for Him. Magnify the Father. Why bother with something lesser? He made us so we could bless Him. And to the world, we confess Him, resurrects Him. So I know i got life. Matter of fact, better than I know i got Christ. If you don't see His ways in my days and my nights, you can hit my brakes, you can stop my lights. Man, I lost my rights, I lost my life. Forget the money cars and toss that ice. The cost is Christ, and they could never offer me anything on the planet that will cost that price. Verse 1. Suffer. Yeah, do it for Christ. If you're trying to figure out what to do with your life, if you, want, if you make a lot of money, hope you're doing it right because the money is God's. You better steward it right. Stay focused if you ain't got no ride. Car. Your life ain't wrapped up in what you drive. The clothes you wear, the job you work, the color of your skin. No, you're a Christian first. People get to living for a job. Make a little money, start living for a car. Give them a wife, a house, a kid, and a dog. When they retire, they're living high on the hog. But guess what? They didn't ever really live it all to live as Christ. Yeah, and that's Paul, I recall. To die is gain, so for Christ we give it all. He's the treasure you'll never find in the mall. See, your money, your singleness, marriage, talent, your time, they were loaned to you to show the world that Christ is divine. That's why it's Christ in my rhymes. That's why it's Christ all the time. See, my whole world is built around Him. He's the life in our lives. I refuse to waste my life. He's, true, he's too true to chase that ice. Here's my gifts and time because I'm constantly trying to be, to, to be used to praise the Christ. If He's truly raised to life, then this news should change your life. And by His grace, you can put your faith in a place that rules your days and nights i don't want to waste my life i don't want to waste my life is the quote is the course would you be like this guy be like this guy as he is just like christ let's pray lord thank you for this text and this parable that is so clear and it speaks to us in vivid terms God, we need just about anything that you can give us to help us out of our mess and out of our greed. Even our subtle forms of greed, our wanting more, our having more stuff for ourselves. Help us to be focused on your glory and your purposes and your ways. Let us not follow our own desires and just live to please ourselves and to enjoy this life as much as possible as if that was some primary goal. But give us the strength to, to live for you daily and to keep in mind that we are here for a, eternal purposes. Help us to keep in mind that eternal reality because we can't see it. The only way we know about it is because your word tells us about it. So help us to keep that concept firmly in our minds. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.